Good morning. Welcome back to Tap That Easy Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Walters, and I hope you're having an awesome week. This episode, I get to travel down to Tucson and go to a brewery that my plan was to go there. We had an interview set up a couple days before the whole shutdown started back in 2020, and we finally got it reset back up. First time I've been to this brewery as well, and man, this place is beautiful. Excellent beer is just really, really impressive, and, and Jeremy... The uh, one of the owners who was the guest was phenomenal. So before we get into that, though, let's see. We got some announcements. Uh, a taste of AZ. Our magazine is kicking butt. People are loving it. It's a free magazine, and you can subscribe. Go to a taste of AZ.com. Up the top, hit free magazine, and then every quarter, starting after you sign up, you won't get the one that's uh, that have already been released, but you'll start getting new ones in the mail every quarter for free, and. People enjoyed them. It's all about Arizona food and beverage. So check that out. We also have the food podcast, ataste Once again, it's the website. Go there. You can find all the info. Tap that easy hazy. Still a little bit left at Simple Machine up on 7th Avenue in Deer Valley in Phoenix, right by the Deer Valley Airport. Got some shirts left, some glasses left, and some beer left, but not much of any of them. So yeah, keep an eye out for those. Come get them. I guess is what I meant to say. Uh, what else? Oh, yes. Yesterday we canned Haka Shaka Laka, which is a session IPA that um, I brewed with Archie down at Flying Bassett in Gilbert Chandler area. I can never w- remember which town it is, but they're like right on the border. Doesn't matter. Haka Shaka Laka is going to come out April 30th in cans and on draft at Flying Bassett. Um, they open at noon. It's going to be on tap and for sale all day. And a percent of the percentage of the proceeds are going to go to Smoke and Hope. So Smoke and Hope is my man, Jonathan Jones, doing some awesome stuff here in Arizona, uh, feeding people and just really just being a cool dude. So percentage of that is going to go to the Smoke and Hope organization. Let's jump into this podcast. This is Jeremy from Motosonorm Brewing Company. Just an awesome guy. This place is, like I said, it's beautiful. They have a really, really cool spot. Great beers. So let's tap into Moto Sonora Brewing Company. <laughs> no, I, I know it sounds terrible. <laughs> no, no. Fully, no. fully aware of how terrible it sounds. Of what? You're, you don't like the sound of your voice? Yeah, I'm just kidding. But oh. Nobody does. Nobody. I, mean, does. I was yeah, gonna say, yeah. dude. Everybody. Everybody yeah. hates it. I just. I just learned how to ignore it, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You just have to pretend that someone else. Yeah. That, that other person sounds weird. I just don't listen to it. Like, I people are just like, oh, dude, I have to catch up on the podcast. I'm like, I don't even listen to it. So, <laughs> but uh, but no, you were saying, yeah, we. I just hit 100,000 downloads, man. That's great. It is pretty cool. It's uh, you know, you you get caught up sometimes in watching them like daily and like, is it going good? And then you're like, oh, yeah. why is it down? And I got to a point. I'm like, oh, who cares? That's kind of like me on Untapped for a while. I was like, yeah. What do you mean? Three and a half. That weird beer's way better. Walk away, dude. Just, just stop. <laughs> Clenching your fist. Yeah. So, dude, Jeremy, mm-hmm. thanks for joining, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh, dude, absolutely. Mm-hmm. We, we, so we set this up about a year ago. We were. I had a car trouble, and then the world had car trouble. Yeah, right? yeah the world had big, big <laughs> trouble. Big, big car trouble. But uh, um, I'm glad we set this up, man. This is a beautiful yeah, spot. Thanks for coming out, man. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, uh, we started with uh, with some issues. Um, I I, uh, I dropped the ball on the battery aspect of my recorder, and uh, Jeremy um, just kind of off, just you know, nonchalant. Oh, <laughs> 
There goes the GoPro. <laughs> so Jeremy nonchalantly was like, yeah, I used to be a federal agent. I'm like, what? Oh. It was, it was, am I allowed to bring that up? Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay. No, that, just for the listeners, though, that was in the context of technical problems with recording uh, things. And, and back when I was a Fed, it just always seemed like no matter what, if you had someone wearing a wire... Like, without fail, something would go wrong. So the only way you could do it is you have them wearing, the, like, the regular wire, like the one you see in the movies. Then you put, like, a pager on their belt. This, yeah. is, this was back when pagers weren't totally obsolete. I mean, they kind of were, but maybe a weird person would have one. Yeah. So that thing would record. <laughs> and then you'd have their cell phone record. So you'd have, like, three recordings. And inevitably, you know, two would fail for some reason. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just weird. It's like Mur- Murphy's Law when it comes to uh, electronics. Oh, dude, especially, I don't, I don't know how old you are, but I'm advancing in age, you know. I yeah. mean... Yeah, I'm 47. I, I definitely there's there's the before technology part of my life and the after. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> things are going downhill at this point. Yeah. It's quickly. Yeah. Well, you saw what I what I went through just a little bit ago, so you know where my dilemmas are. Too. Yep. But <laughs> so, it's a nice rig, though you got here. Oh, thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. It's I've simplified it. Um, it's you know simple but effective. Um, unless mm-hmm. you knock the shit off of the table. <laughs> but uh, so you you're from Tucson, right? Yeah, I grew up here. Went okay. to college here. Uh, moved to California in the 90s and more or less uh, stayed there until I came back to open up uh, this place. Wow. And that's it. That's the end of the story. And, uh, <laughs> exactly. That's, that's, moto- that's obviously the very short version. <laughs> and when I say I opened this place, I mean we. I'm yeah. just one part of a much larger team that you keeps this place team. alive. Yeah. What, what did you, where at in Tucson did you grow up? Oh, uh, the oh, north right. side. Basically okay. what you would call the foothills. And at that time, you know, it wasn't. I mean, it was kind of on the cusp of becoming a nice neighborhood, but okay. I think we were the first house in the neighborhood, so there was nobody out there. It was just rattlesnake scorpions and yeah. my brothers and I, so we would just, like, ride dirt bikes through the neighborhood and terrorize everybody yeah. and <laughs> go-karts down the street and, you know, just, just generally raise cane. Uh, so now it's all super nice houses and developed and everything, but yeah. back in those days it was a little bit the Wild West. Is that where the old, uh, I've heard stories of the old mafia strongholds out that way, or is that like Tanka Verde area or something? I think that's the other direction. Yeah, there, that... that wasn't the stronghold of anything except wildlife. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, our, 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 there, you know, there's, there wasn't a huge Italian uh, community in Tucson, and but there's definitely some of it was mafia-related, so yeah. they all kind of knew each other, um, sure. and that was definitely more east side or central. Yeah. Definitely where we were, was, there's nothing going on. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So what did you, uh, I mean, were you, did you drink beer in high school? Andre, yeah. were you? Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, it's a good story, and I've, I've never actually told it on any sort of public forum. But and I don't know how I got turned on to this, but uh, there was a beer. So I kind of became a beer snob in high school. And again, I'm not really sure wow, why. That's. Uh, but there was like, you know, I would go to parties and I would bring a six pack of this black lager from Dixie called Black and Voodoo. And I didn't know. I, I haven't had this beer in 30 years. It might have been terrible. I really don't yeah. know. But <laughs> I, it was $10 a six-pack, which in the you know early 90s, late 80s, was like oh, big money. Sure. Um, and it came in this beautiful cardboard box, and it had this like really creepy swamp scene on it. It just like <laughs> it just sort of set the stage in my mind for beer as this sort of sense of travel and adventure. And you're like, what yeah. is this? This is from New Orleans. Like, what are they doing down there? Look, it's all black. Is this <laughs> what beer looks like? And so, so I sort of started started that way. And yeah, that was in high school. The statute of limitations has expired, so I guess yeah. I, can, I can admit to that misdemeanor. Well, there's a loophole in the, if you're a brewery owner that yeah. uh <laughs> so right all this talk about people being wired i've been wired this whole time yeah, dude exactly. you're going That's down. It. go in come and get them <laughs> i faked the whole battery thing and knocking <laughs> out that was all stage right. so, that uh, was to distract me while the, the yeah. SWAT team was stacking up behind me yeah, exactly uh i can't even stress how opposite that is uh of the <laughs> truth but uh so uh, so where did you go from there you say you moved did you move to california after you graduated yeah graduated college here and then okay and then went to uh pepperdine for law school out in malibu um in 98 
I've only great. seen pictures of that place. I never knew. Like I heard, you know, I've heard of Pepper Dime through like March Madness and stuff. Right. And I'm like, yeah, it sounds like a cool name. It sounds like toothpaste or something. Right. You know, somehow. <laughs> but uh, that is a good toothpaste name. Yeah. But uh, but then I don't know. One day I was. I think we were going to take a vacation to California, and I was looking on the map. I'm like, dude, Pepper Dime's right there. And I look at the camera. I'm like, holy shit! Why didn't I know about that? And why wasn't I? smarter in high school. <laughs> I had a similar story. I was trying to get into SC for law school, which is like a top 20 uh, school. And I was twisting every arm, pulling every string, just trying to get in there. So I'm downtown LA. Yeah. I meet with the dean. And the dean like basically was like, sorry, kid, you're not smart enough. Uh, and I was like, oh, this sucks. And then a buddy of mine who lives in LA is like, wait, wait, wait. He wanted more friends to come visit him in LA. He's like, get in the car. We're going to Malibu right now. I'm like, all right, whatever. Yeah. And we drive up and we take one look. I see the campus. I'm like, Oh yeah, this is this is where I need Dude. to be. I don't need to be downtown LA. I need yeah. to be on the beach, and uh, so that was it. For what was the goal? Like what? You, so you knew law school. Like what was your? Yeah, I was. Go, I was going to go to law school. Uh, the path was federal agent. Um, okay. I mean, I got a bunch of lawyers in my family, so it wasn't super weird. And in those days, being a special agent with any of the agencies was kind of hard to do. You either had to be like some badass military guy or a SWAT guy from a local PD, or if you wanted to go to some of the more premier agencies, uh, an academic route, so okay. FBI, Secret Service, places like that. So law school was, uh, was a good path for that. And yeah. I figured if it did, if it all went sideways, at least I'd still be a lawyer and I could you know make a living that way. Yeah. So that was the path. And it was great because I had all this all this stress. I mean, law school is plenty stressful no matter how you do it, but you know everyone was concerned about their ranking in school because they all wanted to go to the top firms. Sure. And I had no interest in going to a law firm, so I got to you know just sort of enjoy it for what it was learn what i wanted to learn got to surf a lot and uh just uh just kind of you know really not freak out on it i mean it's still really hard and still really tough sure stressful but but not for me not as much as if i was concerned about my class ranking like a lot of yeah. students were dude so. that's a good that's a good distinction too right because like you should be put through the ringer right you right. should be stressed and you know i wasn't stressed in college which is why i failed out after a year and a half <laughs> <laughs> it was sweet, man. Like I, I've never eaten more Papa John's pizza in my life, and that's great. it wasn't a good path for me. But, uh, <laughs> but no, that's uh, because sometimes, like it, it uh, those expectations or that that stress you put on yourself kills the experience that you could have, which right. sounds like the experience you did have. Yeah, you it know, my, awesome. I mean, yeah, mine was great. It was some of the best three years of my life. Yeah. Plus, there was also this focus, right? Yeah. Like, you know, the rest of your life, you're having to make all these decisions. Is this the right thing to do? Is this the wrong thing to do? Am I doing it right? But, you know, there it's like I have one thing to do, and that is pass these classes. Yeah. And I'm in one of the most beautiful environments in the world. And in that time, and probably still, uh, Malibu's kind of sleepy. Yeah. You know, there's like three bars in that place, and they all closed at 10. Yeah. So there wasn't too uh, much trouble I could get into. Yeah. So even if I just put on a huge bender at Duke's, I was home by, you know, 10, 15. Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. so no matter how bad it got, like, you were home early. Yeah. So. That's good, man. That's, that's, uh, that's a good setup for people who don't have self-regulation, right? Yeah, myself included. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so why a federal agent though? Like, what is what was it that you wanted to do? Like specifically, was there a certain? Well, it was kind of a process of elimination. I knew that I was going to have to work for a living, and I wasn't just going to be able to surf and yeah. goof off the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. And, and most, you know, regular desk jobs didn't didn't really appeal to me. And I was I was actually working on Capitol Hill, and I met a Secret Service agent. And it was just like, oh, like you're like a real person. This is a job you can get. He kind of kind of recruited me a little bit. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so this is a thing you can do. And then another friend of mine's from high school. His older brother ended up becoming an ATF agent. So I was like, oh, him too. I'm like, all right. So yeah. it's just kind of opened up this whole window that I didn't know it existed. And I'm like, all right, that seems like a pretty cool job that yeah. pays pretty well, and I probably won't hate it too much. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And and did it turn out to be that? Mostly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what I yeah. turn what I found out is I'm a little bit like I like the I like the work. 
Okay. Even the even the really sure. boring work, right? Yeah. So kicking indoors and that kind of stuff is fun. But yeah. even just sitting on surveillance, drinking coffee, and writing down license plates and listening to the radio, that didn't bother me. Like a lot of yeah. people are like, oh, midnight surveillance, come on. But yeah. I was single. I didn't have kids or anything, so it didn't really put me out uh, in that way. But as it turns out, I'm just a little too independent to have that many bosses. Because right. you've got your <laughs> boss, he's got his boss, and they've got their boss, mm. and it goes all the way to the president. So there's a lot of crap rolling downhill there. And yeah. so it's uh, just – I'm just – I'm just too much of a hippie, I think, to, yeah. for, for law enforcement. But, <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. It was a really good experience. And I worked with some really cool people, lots of whom are still my friends to this day. Yeah. So were you more like security uh, kind of? Or what, what, can you, what can you share? Oh, well, I can share almost everything. I choke mean, me out. No, no. <laughs> I mean, there were certain, you know, I had access to classified systems or anything. But there's, I can share plenty. I, I worked with, I started with the Secret Service. Okay. And I blew up my knee in their academy in uh, D.C. or uh, Maryland, actually. And so I had to have surgery, rebuilt the thing, and almost went back to Secret Service, but ended up going down to with an agency that's now called Homeland Security Investigations. Okay. So they do basically anything that goes in and out of this country. So it can be anything from, and it's changed a couple of times since uh, 9-11, but more or less it can be just, you know, uh, like uh, illegal lettuce pickers in Yuma. Uh, Or it can be, uh, excuse me, uh, what I did a big part of my time was... uh, Weapons and weapons technology sales, you hmm. know. So we did an undercover case with a bunch of handguns going to Liberia that shouldn't have gone there. Ah, we did a large part of our work was dealing with the Iranians because it's like one of these funny sort of geopolitical history things where, you know, the Iranian military, all their hardware came from us in the 70s where we were all friends. Hmm. And then they had the revolution. We blackballed them. But they still yeah. have all that hardware. And their F-14s, they got to keep them in the air. Ah. And so the only place to get F-14 parts is in the U.S. Yeah. So we worked a lot of cases on, on that kind of stuff. Uh, people trying to get the parts out to them. That- yep. Yeah, dude, that's that. See, that's sometimes, you know, I don't know. Everybody has their opinion, but people are like, you know, declassify everything, this or that. I'm like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's, it's a fine line. There's a really yeah. cool book by uh, former Senator Moynihan called Secrecy. It was written in the 90s. Okay. And he talks about how, you know, they do kind of, you know, secrecy is a form of power. If you know something that other people don't, you can hold it over for people. And so mm-hmm. they're definitely, I mean, there's no question. There are plenty of things that need to be classified. And yeah. it definitely makes sense to have a lot of secrets. Yeah. <laughs> but there, I think there is a tendency to overclassify some stuff. Sure. You know? Yeah. So, but, yeah. you know, again, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough because like, it's, that's just my opinion. Yeah. You know, and everyone's yeah. got their own opinion. Everyone's like, no, classify everything. Some people are classified nothing. And as always, the truth is somewhere in between those things. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. man. Well, so wh- where was beer this whole time? Were you were you just casual uh, beer drinker still, like still pretty in the much, craft beer? I, I was pretty much a big beer nerd in okay. college, and you know I was still into it. I think uh, I got for a party once. I got a keg of Anchor Steam, and that was like a big deal. Oh, that is, and big. Uh, <laughs> that's like a couple hundred bucks. Too, yeah, right? it was like, big money. Yeah. And, and I don't think it even tasted it at that point. I just think this maybe someone had told me. Yeah, probably a cute girl was like, you know, you should get Anchor Steam. I'm like, okay, you know <laughs> I already I mean? did. I already <laughs> did. Yeah, yeah, it's on the way. Um, But uh, then I moved to L.A., and at that time, the first craft beer boom was dying, and L.A. wasn't really ever a really big beer city. So this is like mid-90s, mid-late 90s? 98, yeah. 98, okay. So, yeah, yeah, like beer had kind of died. And so I was in L.A., and I'm like, well, where's all the beer? Yeah. And it was like, no, you're drinking Budweiser. If you want to go crazy, drink a... Estella or something. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you're <laughs> yeah. really lucky to get a Newcastle. Yeah. Right? yeah. You know? Killians, man. So, yeah, exactly. So, uh, so beer kind of died for me for a couple of years while I was yeah. in L.A. I mean, when yeah. I would travel, I would still seek out whatever beer I could. Sure, yeah. Um, but uh, but it's hard to find, though, right? Yeah. Like, it's... it's the, yeah, I would just look at a tap list, and if they had Sierra Nevada, I'd be like, thank God. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So, uh, but then I moved back down to San Diego when I got my job in 2002, and San Diego 
you know, it's pretty much always been a big beer city. Yeah. So I got back in the deep end there. Um, and so that was that was great for me. I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah, beer. some good beer. Yeah. 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 So. <laughs> yeah. Well, did you ever have, uh, I mean, what, what, what was the seed for this planted pretty much? I mean, because, I mean, with a job like that, a federal job, I mean, it it's kind of goes hand in hand with, kind of early retirement right the, yeah, yeah. The, i could have been i could have i'm 47 now and if i'd stayed with that job i'd be retired in three years okay and yeah uh, you know there is an argument to say that i'm an idiot for, for leaving that job in fact <laughs> the timing on that was really rough too i would between like i'm like cursed in that way uh so i quit my federal agent job was basically a six-figure job um and then uh like i was like all right i'm gonna just go into real estate i'm not gonna make very much money but i'm single i don't need much i'll take a lot of time and travel and ski and surf and goof yeah off. um and then like a year later, the Great Recession hit, uh, and it was like, "Oh no, <laughs> oh, God!" I had I had health care, I had a uh, pension, I had a good salary. Yeah. I was living in La Jolla, like you know, now it's all over. Yeah. So that that's why when I say more or less, I just moved back. But I bounced around during the recession, basically doing anything I could, okay, um, to to make a living. Yeah. Uh, but you know that also segued into this in a big way. So in 2010, still deep in the recession, the World Cup was in South Africa, and my brother and I had planned to go for years. Okay. And I got down to the point where we were like broke, but we had the yeah. tickets and everything. It's like, it's like, guys, it's now or never. If we don't like a credit card, sell whatever you got to do, plasma, yeah. like we should go. So we go, and we're in South Africa and Botswana and uh, Zimbabwe for about a month. And we were driving around in these little trucks with uh, rooftop tents and just kind of like, I mean, it's crazy. Like it's 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 Africa. You just kind of do what you, I mean, not totally do what you want, but like you're yeah. driving around on dirt roads and. Here we go. Pull over. Pull, pull out the tent. Yeah. You know, eat your dinner. Hopefully, the lions don't get you. Right. Um, but <laughs> simple. So we were simple talking rules. about in you know one of the parts of that was first off it was this massive road trip. You know, some uh, my friend had a Land Rover. We had this Toyota with like a thousand mile gas tank. Yeah. And all this stuff. And so you know, inevitably, you're talking about the vehicles and oh, what happened to you today? Or, oh, well, you, did, you disappeared over there. Oh yeah, my third flat today or whatever. Yeah. You know, and then also you know, inevitably you talk about the beers. And Africa, you know, mm. just has a ton of beers we've never had before. Okay. Not that it has an amazing, you know, beer scene. Certainly not, at least when I was there, not a craft beer scene. But, yeah. um, you know, a lot of German immigrants, so a lot of different beers. You're like, oh, what did you get there? What, yeah. What's a Windhoek? I don't know. Let's try it, you know. So like, beers that they're making there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's so how, the, that's, I like that, though. Like, that's, yeah. you know, it's not like, I'm sure there's not guys with the ironic mustaches and No, no, definitely not. At least not in 2010. <laughs> right. um, yeah. No, it's, it was a bunch of Afrikaners you know, trucking beer through the desert. I remember we yeah. stayed at some bush camp once, and there was a dude we'd met at some other, like, national park in South Africa. Now we're in Botswana, a totally separate country, and we roll into, like, this bush camp, and that same dude is there with, like, five cases of beer, and he's delivering it to the camp. Yeah. And when we had met him the week before in a different country, he had a different job. Yeah. And he's like, oh, no, I also do this. Yeah. And meanwhile, the people in that little town in the bush camp were freaking out because they'd been out of beer for, like, a week or something. Yeah. So, like, he was a hero. Yeah. And so we're like, hey! and so we all started drinking. We probably went through half of that beer the first night, and all the locals were bitter because that guy wouldn't be back for another month yeah but uh <laughs> but anyway so beer was inevitably a part of that experience okay and so beer is a sense of adventure and a sense of travel and, and that's just kind of one of the things that beer has always meant to me and my brother and i were talking about that while we were in africa and it was like well wouldn't it be cool if we created a, a basically a really good beer bar centered around that theme yeah. as travel and road trips and adventures and, and that kind of things um yeah. And so, I mean, we're not the first guys in our 30s to talk about opening a bar. So it's, not, it's not super creative in that regard. But, but uh, so we kind of put a pin in it while we got back to work. And then 
I was doing a bunch of industrial real estate in San Diego, and like I was always a, like I said, a craft beer consumer, not really a brewer. Okay. Like my friends in college, you know, they would they would homebrew, yeah, and I'd help them, and that beer was terrible. Yeah, like so <laughs> it was to yeah. me, like yeah, the, the homebrewing wasn't a path to good beer. It yeah. was a path to get drunk cheaply. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> no, if you true. want the good stuff, you got to go to this liquor store or this bar. This yeah. is where like the really really good stuff is. So yeah. So I didn't come at it from a homebrewing standpoint, which a lot of people do. Um, but then you know, doing industrial uh, real estate in San Diego, I was in Miramar, so that's where. Ale Smith is, and like when oh, I moved okay. in, there, they were in their original small space. It was right around the corner from my office, so I was just like, I just cruised down like yeah. after work and be like, hey, I'm like I'm getting really good <laughs> beer right here. It's great. Um, and then you know, Ballast Point moved in with their giant production facility. Then Ale Smith moved to their other uh, one. Okay, yeah. One of my neighbors uh, in La Jolla, he wanted to open a nano brewery, and so I helped him find his space and helped him build it out. And then when I would brew with him uh, occasionally, uh, so yeah. you know, I just kind of got to see the business side of it, you know, from the back end. And so the idea sort of took hold. And the more I learned about beer, the more I realized that the further you are away from the brewery, you know, the more variables there are. And, you know, oftentimes it's, it's not the same beer that left. Meaning, you know? like, meaning like being a tap room of getting everybody else's beer to serve. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. let's just say I just get, you know, I don't know, just – just, Guinness or whatever, you know. I yeah. mean, I guess Guinness, that's a bad example. They brew it all everywhere. Sure, but, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, you know, or just, like a keg of, of, of Lagunitas or something like that, yeah, right? Exactly. You know, or, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was going to pick that's something a further example. away. <laughs> yeah, something far away, you know, yeah. something German. Um, but, you know, that had to travel a long way, and who yeah. knows what shape it's in when you get there, yeah. or when it gets here. Now, if it's in stainless steel and it's on a, you know, if it's kept cold, you know, okay, it can happen. Yeah. But, you know, you start talking bottles and other things, and, you know, just those, those yeah. question marks go up and up. I mean, Sometimes I'll get beer from San Diego in Tucson that's that I know what that beer is supposed to taste like, and it's not because yeah. it probably got yeah. left on a loading dock in Phoenix in the summer, exactly, you know, or something like that. So, yep. So it was like, all right, well, maybe we can do the same thing, but make it a brewery, and then we can make these styles that we want and create that sense of experience and adventure, yeah, and, and really control the product start to finish. Yeah. So that's Dude. the medium length version of that story. <laughs> We're not done yet, man. There's <laughs> many questions I have, uh, but no, I, I like that approach because. Um, there, there's, it just adds another dynamic to it, right? When you're creating that that product here, and, 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 and sorry if this is what you were saying, and I, I just rephrasing it, but uh, it does add to the experience for the consumer themselves, right? Of seeing just seeing the tanks, they don't even sure. have to be in operation, or you know, yeah. they don't even have to be in the process of brewing for the day. Just to see them through that window is it's a it's a whole different level. Yeah, it makes you, you feel know? like you've actually come to a place where they do things. Yeah, right? it's like yeah, I yeah. arrived at at something that. At least it'll stick in my memory, and it's yeah. probably important to these people, and hopefully it's important to the consumer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so so this idea kind of – it started uh, just between, between you and your brother yep. pretty much? Yep. Yeah. That's not how we ended, but that's how we started. Okay. So, <laughs> well, it's, so when it came time to start building the or to start proceeding with this uh, – Jeff, my brother Jeff's roommate in college was a guy named Tommy Arthur from the Lost Abbey. Now, okay. he wasn't from the Lost Abbey then. He was just a guy in, his, in their apartment brewing beer. Um, and he became a head brewer at Pizza Port before he started Lost Abbey. Oh, nice. But anyway, so when we got serious about this, we called him because, you know, he's probably forgotten more about beer than we'll ever know. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. uh, and he, he was intrigued by the idea, so we brought him in as a partner. And then, uh, then we needed some more cash, so I have a cousin named Eric, and he, he ponied up some cash to get us over the finish line. So there's four yeah. partners here. Um, Jeff and I are kind of the nuts and bolts of it. Tommy is like our, our rabbi, our godfather. Yeah, sort of yeah. Says your guy, yeah. yeah. Before we do something <laughs> stupid. It's yeah. like, wait, 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 we tried that 10 years ago. Don't do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so that's, I mean, you can't do things alone, right? I mean, you no. learned as a federal agent. I, I'm, I just started listening to, somebody recommended, the, what is it, Extreme Ownership? 
Jocko Will. Oh, I know that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Navy SEAL guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just hearing his voice, you're like, Jesus, this guy's yeah, uh, another level. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I don't remember where I was going with that. But uh, it's, it's, it, it seems like. so a, intimidating, it wiped your mind right yeah, there. Oh, yeah, for sure. I was looking around for him. Jocko's going to get you, right? <laughs> so, oh, a team, right? That's what yeah, his. Yeah. The book is of extreme ownership, and it talks about how um, basically the, the teams that he led, like basically leadership and, and having the right team in place to make be able to make shit happen you can't For do sure. shit on your own you know no oh. rambo could you know yeah. but he had he had help he had help right. in different areas you know yeah for sure and yeah you know for something like this there's no way i mean and i think that's what you know a lot of people get into trouble with you, you really no matter how smart you are you don't just say you're brilliant yeah. i mean you still only have 24 hours in a day and you're gonna need to sleep some of that you're gonna need to eat some of that you know yeah. so you've got x hours to work and a, a, an operation like this just just it's just too big. Yeah. So you have to learn to let go. Yeah. And, and that's sort of a business management thing that I'm learning because when we started this, I had tight control on everything. Yeah. And right. I had to, because nobody believed in the project. You yeah. know, people were like, oh, that's dumb or whatever. It's like, <laughs> you have to, you have to yeah. sort of have this maniacal focus. Right. Sure. And then as it comes to life, it's hard to turn that off. You're like, yeah. you know, like don't play that music on the sound system. Don't do this. You're like, like, all right, maybe, maybe it doesn't matter. Right. right? Like, maybe, yeah. Back off. I hire these people. I'm paying them to do the job. Maybe they're yeah. doing it slightly differently than I would. Sure. But that's what I'm paying them for. And yeah. that's what, that's why I trust them. And I got to like walk away. So, yeah. so we're in this sort of adolescent, maybe not even adolescent, maybe pre phase of the brewery here so you know yeah. we're, we're, we're still learning day to day yeah yeah well i mean you, you guys you are very young i mean you said you opened what was opening well let's talk about this beer because it's okay. gone already what was okay. this yeah i know yeah, <laughs> right, yeah I, I, we'll get you another one um that is our our, our maybach uh it's, we call it the gto maybach because okay. einbach in german is a goat and okay. we have this sort of automotive sort of motorcycle themed you know thing going on here and yeah. so people call the gto the goat and the so goat. so anyway um that's a springtime traditional German lager. That's good, man. Yeah, thanks, man. I, I'm That's super proud of that beer. I, lo- I, I love it. And this was, I mean, I can't take any credit for it. Joel, Joel wanted to brew a Maybach. I'm like, okay. really? Maybach? He's like, yeah, let's go. All right, we have the tank space. Yeah. All right, let's try it. Um, and it's great. It's beautiful. And, yeah. you know, we've got sort of a seasonal German lager thing going. Our Martzen was really good. Okay, um, nice. We had a Doppelbach over the winter, um, and now we've got the Maybach. So this, this, I think, is actually my favorite. It's just got a little, little spicier, a little hoppier than the... Than the marts and it's, it's but still still light and yeah. drinkable. And, it's actually yeah. it's beautiful looking too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, so all right, this idea came and you guys are like, all right, let's get this thing in motion. Yeah. Right? Um, did you have the name? Did you you, you already had the theme as far as yeah? The we adventure. had the, we had the sort of rough concept of this sort of overland, be it a car, a motorcycle, a truck, or whatever, just yeah. a sort of sense of travel and adventure and. And we wanted this to this place to be a destination for those kinds of people as okay. well. Yeah. Um, and so, coming up with the name, we had you know about a million different variations. Of course, yeah. Some were good, <laughs> some were bad, some were a lot were already trademarked by other companies, or if they weren't trademarked, they were already out in the public world, and so it wouldn't work. And so, yeah. you know, we kind of came to this thing where we kind of realized we had to make something up. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, I mean, iPad as a word did not exist. So yeah. we made that up, yeah. right? I'm sure yeah. probably because they went through the exact same thing. And so yeah. we're like, all right, with X millions of breweries around the world and, you know, wineries and spirits, like all that can cross over. So you yeah. got to even you gotta a beer be- name can exactly. just shut your brewery down, like just because they have a seasonal beer called that. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, we wanted something that, that sort of encapsulated that theme. And that's where the moto part came from. Yeah. And, you know, my family's Italian and we're in Tucson, uh, which is a heavy, heavy uh, Mexican influence. And so moto is, is a 
prefix in Italian and Spanish for motors. Or okay. They use it a lot for motorcycles, but literally it means motors. Yeah. And Sonora, you know, I mean, we could have called it Tucson Moto Beer Co. or something. I don't know. Yeah. It seems kind of boring. <laughs> so I wanted something yeah. that sounded sexier, but also conveyed a sense of place. Yeah. And so, like, in my mind, I'm not sure if anyone would agree with this, but to me, Sonora is a place. Now, there's definitely the Mexican sure. side of Sonora. Yeah. And then we're all in the Sonoran Desert here in southern Arizona. So, like, to me, there's sort of, like, this concept of Sonora and the border is kind yeah. of arbitrary because we share a lot of the same culture. We share a lot of the same uh, biology and geography and yeah. all that. So, so Moto Sonora was like this thing. I wanted to sound big and exciting and adventurous, but also very local. Yeah. And so that was kind of where we landed. I like it, man. So Thanks. when when it came out, were you guys like, all right, that's it, or was it? Like, uh, no, ah. it was it was me. I was sitting there by myself. I was with my wife, and we were we were at this winery in Temecula. And I was like, wait a minute, what about Moto Sonora? Is that cool? Does that sound cool? She's like, that sounds great. Are you sure? Yeah. It's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, I'm going to run it by everyone else. And everyone else was like, yeah, I think so. And then and by the time they all got on board and they were all about it, I'm like, I don't know. I got some doubts. <laughs> <You know? laughs> of course, like, no, yeah. no, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Trust me. And so, yeah. so we let it sit for about a month. And then by the end of that month, we're like, yeah, that's good. Let's trademark it. Yeah. Let's go. Um, I like so, it. Yeah. And, and you know, it, at least in my mind, it's aged well. So we'll, yeah. we'll see how the rest of the world responds to it. But yeah. I, haven't, I haven't turned up one day and they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you haven't got no, that? No, no, okay, no, good. Good, dude. Yeah, that's yeah. your you're, no, you're well so far. And, and partly, uh, we were lucky that the people who designed our, our script logo did such a nice job to me. It looks like looks like an Italian car from the 50s. So yeah. I, just, I, just, I love it. Well, dude, there, I mean, every piece of this, I mean, the well, you said that this, this vehicle wasn't meant to be here, right? But it, <laughs> it's perfectly placed because that's... It's beautiful. Like yeah, those are the yeah. kind of rigs we were driving around in Africa and Botswana. And in fact, yeah. uh, that same dude had another Land Rover in here for a while, like deep in COVID time last summer when we were dead. Yeah. And he was like, I got to go back to England for three months and I got no place to park this. Can I park your car in here? And I'm like, yeah, sure. No one's going to be sitting in here, so it doesn't yeah. matter. Um, there was a, a couple of our customers have come in and they were either, they lived in Africa or met in Africa or something and they came in and they saw the truck and they're like, all right, this is our spot. Yeah. And it was that one thing. It was just uh, totally random and a total coincidence, but, yeah. but it hooked them. And hopefully we kept them with the beer, but it was the truck that hooked them to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So, uh, you got the name. You guys are just starting to roll. I mean, how how long was this before you guys opened? How how many how long did it take to? Oh, years. Okay. Yeah, we started yeah. talking about this in the middle of like probably 2016. Okay. Okay. Um, and then you know everything takes longer than you think. Yeah. You know, but once we had what we thought was our money, and then you know the concept, then you had to get. Well, we got a big bank loan, um, yeah. so you got to do that, and that process, you know, at least for us, took. 18 months Jeez. you know because yeah. we're like yeah we'll be uh, we'll be starting construction in six months and no oh, no no six months from now so, you know and it's kind of inevitable yeah um no matter how tight you think you've got your plans you know financing and construction just always takes forever <laughs> sure um, yeah and then the, you know the guys started building and then you know same with contractors like okay this is when we're gonna be done I'm like really oh yeah we have plenty of time built into this we'll be, we're gonna hit that yeah. it's like two weeks before christmas they're supposed to be done at christmas like yes it's gonna be done oh yeah, yeah. you sure like, oh, no, we can't pour concrete today. It's raining. I'm like, you said you built in for that. It's the rainy season. What are you doing? <laughs> right. and, and I felt yeah. like, you know, it was weird because I had this sense of dread. It wasn't related to COVID, but it was related to, like, the stock market or the real estate market because everything been on such a run. I'm like, guys, we've got to get open here. Every day we lose is another problem. And it's winter. You know, yeah. this is when Tucson's supposed to do well. Like, let's open. Come on, open, 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 open. And then so it's supposed to be before Christmas, but, you know, ultimately we didn't get the fire marshal to sign off uh, until March 13th. They're like, okay, you can have your soft opening tomorrow. We're like, just cool. waiting for someone to say, check a box, basically. Yeah, well, I mean, some, we, we had some weird stuff with this door, this push door. Oh, okay. And, you know, some of that is our fault because we changed we changed the plans for this door mid-flight, so I can't lay it all on the on the contractors. Um, 
and I, and they're like, the problem was when we changed the plans. I was like, yeah, it looks great. That's perfect. That's cool. We'll do it. And then of course somebody didn't didn't do it properly and understand that you need two push bar exit doors here. Uh, and so it was like, oh no. So yeah, we got guys coming in here with welders and trying to create a push bar door, that thing with the handle okay. that, that matched the aesthetic. I mean, we could have found something, but it just would have yeah. looked terrible, like, yeah. like like the fire exit at your school, high school <laughs> yeah. or something, right? Yeah. So we wanted, you know, anyway, so the 13th, they say, all right, you're good to go. You can open tomorrow. Or you can open today, actually, if you want. Yeah. Um, so I right, call all your friends. We're, we're partying down tomorrow, Saturday night, soft opening. Yeah. 21st, a week from now, it's going to be our grand opening. Great. So we 21st of March 2020. <laughs> yeah. So we party down on the 14th. We have a good time. We close down. And then we're like, all right, we're just going to just take it day by day because this is when things really start heating up. And then I think yeah. it was Tuesday. They're like, yeah, you guys are closed. Oh, oh man. <laughs> yeah, after all of that, right? Yeah. You're finally, because you know you're in for work, right? Yeah, yeah, like, because yeah. you, know, you know, it's never that idea of like, all right, once we're open, then, then right. it's, it's like, all right, well, now the work starts. But that's not what you, you know, yeah. you, don't, you can't plan for a world shutdown. No, it got <laughs> so weird so fast. Yeah. And we, you know, we didn't even have our crawler machine. And we're like, okay, you can only sell stuff to go. And I'm like, all right, so I just like hauled ass over to the homebrew store and just yeah. bought every glass or plastic growler yeah. they had, right? And <laughs> yeah. I'm like writing the beer names on masking tape on the side. And just like, yeah. you know, we were, I mean, if we, if we were getting paid, it would have made more sense just to close the place entirely. But since we were willing to work for free, any yeah. dollar any, that came in was sure. worth it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if I can sell a plastic growler and make three bucks, it was like, all right, well, that's three more bucks than we had yesterday. So yeah. like, keep going, you know? Yeah. And then we were delivering. You know, people would order online. We're riding all over town to deliver like two crawlers of on beer. a bike with two milk jugs full of beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was a crazy couple of months, but yeah. but you know, we got we also got luckier than a lot of other people in places just because, um, just because we have this outdoor beer garden. We were really only shut down for two months. Okay, and it was I mean it was uh, a long, terrible two months. Sure, yeah. But they're like, okay, you can do outdoor seating, and luckily we have a, a beer garden, huge so, area out so here. This is nice. So it kind of saved our butts. I mean, it, even and you could tell people were desperate. I mean, yeah. not enough to really like keep the lights on, but like some people would come and be 105 degrees out, and like we don't care. We're having a beer, <laughs> right? We're outside. outside. <laughs> We've been stuck in our houses for so long. Doesn't yeah. even matter. Just nope. sweat and just deal. Asking you to sit like at another table to make a scene. Yeah, you know, right. Like, exactly. Just need some company. I don't want to talk to you, but right. just be close. Um, so yeah, so we yeah. got lucky as, as much as I. I like to complain. Uh, we've been very lucky, and and we're lucky that people came out for us. You know, I mean, yeah, they saved our butts this year. Yeah. Um, so. Well, this space, man, this this space is very welcoming. And and so let's backtrack to that. Yeah. Is how did you find this location? Like, was okay. it? Well, this was yeah. I sort of started wide and started zooming in. So, you know, when you open a brewery, it's from a zoning perspective, it's considered a factory. Mm-hmm. So you need industrial uh, zoning. Yeah. So we just broke out the map of Pima County that had industrial zones. And we're like, ah, oh, that one's pretty close to downtown. Um, let's go take a look in this zone. And so we started driving around. We saw that this was for sale. And from the front, you know, it doesn't look like much. Yeah. Um, but then as soon as we walked through and saw the back, I was yeah. like, oh, wait a minute. This could, this could be a really cool beer garden. Yeah. And then, you know, like you said, when people come to breweries, they like to see the tanks. They like to see the behind the curtain. And that was the one thing this lacked. And we're like, okay, well, we need to put a bunch of glass in that wall so at least people can see what's going on back yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and at night, I mean, it's a, it's a little tougher today because of the reflection, but at night that all lights up. Oh, nice. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, so it it, it was it, it wasn't ideal, but it, it worked out. Um, so the, all this was the structure was here. Yeah, all the so. structure was here, and that and that was one of the things that made our permitting much easier okay. because we didn't really change the footprint. Once uh, you start changing the footprint of stuff, it just gets more complicated. Sure. So, so this building, this old house, was here, and then this big aluminum building uh, was here, uh, but it was empty, you know, okay. totally empty. And so we had to, you know, cut out and make the ground slope and for drainage and everything. And um, this patio was like one of those cheap aluminum ones, and we rebuilt it in wood. That's 
technically the same footprint, so it didn't require any yeah. special <laughs> permitting. You know, um, but but looks looks a lot nicer. Yeah. You know, we poured a bunch of concrete and stuff back here, built the yeah. dog park. I mean, we did a lot of, a lot to it. Oh, the dog, we, I didn't even notice there was a little dog park over there. Yeah, it loops around the. Front yeah, the which the girl was bringing out uh, two bowls of water, and I thought oh. that was for us. Like I really <laughs> no no beer. Like, dude, the beer trends, right? They, they drink them out. You want a beer? Yeah, yeah. All let's right. do another I'll beer. Gra- I'll grab one. Be right back. Okay, awesome. All right, and here we're back with this. What is this? Okay. Oh. This is our flagship uh, IPA called Victory or Death. It's sort of our take on a West Coast IPA. So yeah. it's not the cutting edge of sexy, hazy beers, which I don't necessarily Why wouldn't sexy. you tell me that before I drank it? <laughs> I only drink hazies. <laughs> um, so we, we tried to make it a little lighter, a little drier, just so that you could drink it in 105 degrees. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's slightly less bitter than, say, like a West Coast from the 90s. Yeah. But it still kind of tilts that way. I like it, man. It is, nice. It's a good change of pace. Because um, I dig the hazies. I mean, I think, it, you know... A lot of people dig the hazies, right? Oh, yeah. They do you like the, crazy. Do you like the hazies? No. Nah. Really. I mean, I like some of those flavors, some of those like sure. juicier flavors, but um, the ones that people go nuts for now, I don't know. They just go too far for me. To me, it's, it, it might just be my palate. Sure. You know? I mean, yeah. I, they, a lot of them taste like... Uh, you know, orange juice that I left in my fridge too yeah. long in college and started to ferment. Mimosas. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah. But, you know, some of them are good. I mean, like I said, it's just it, like moderation and everything, you know. Uh, yeah. I like some of those flavors. Like we have a we have another IPA called Fog Lights that people call a hazy. And probably five years ago or ten years ago, it would be the haziest thing on the planet. Yeah. But now <laughs> I, I, it doesn't even count. I mean, yeah. you can see through it. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely not clear, but yeah. it's not opaque. It doesn't look like a milkshake, you know. Dude, so. you get a you get a high-ranked untapped person, they're going to push that back and say, there's not enough haze in Right, it. yeah, so we don't even call it a hazy. Right? Yeah, that's the thing. You know, for years and years, everyone was trying to make beer as clear as possible, and now people are like going, well, how do we keep all these particles in suspension? Because mm-hmm. we want, we're going to make a special effort to make it as opaque as possible. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of a weird, weird thing. I mean, it is a weird thing. I mean, I guess it's... Philosophically, it's not much weirder than just trying to make it as clear as possible. I just, yeah. <clears throat> I just think clear beer looks better. But yeah, you know. But again, that's sort of purely aesthetics. But it is weird. That is the weird part about it. Is like, all right, if it tastes the same, why can't it be clear but hazy? And you yeah. know, um, I don't know. Who cares? Yeah, like, I said, like I said, you, you can make the same complaint going the other way. It's like, do you really need to filter that? Yeah, You're damn right we do. Yeah. Why? I don't know. Looks better. Because <laughs> I'm supposed to. Yeah. Uh, this is fantastic, man. Thanks. This is is this the award winner? No, but this did make the final table at GABF last year. And nice. for IPA, that's a big deal. Hell yeah, so many it is. People. We sent it just because it was fresh. Yeah. Uh, we're like, ah, oh, God, IPA, we're really going to enter IPA. Well, it's tasting really good, and, you know, it was a weird year. And we didn't want to brew special beers for GABF, so it was like yeah. whatever we had, we sent. And all the stuff that I thought was going to really do well never even made out of the first round. Oh, yeah. And this, I thought we'd get smoked on, and yeah. uh, we made the final table. Wow. Like, Whoa, okay. Maybe, maybe we're on to something. Heck, yeah. We just got lucky. I'll nah, take it either way. No, nah, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the results are the same regardless, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, well, so who? So I know you said you who was making beer at the beginning. Who was who? Okay, so well, we so we took a very interesting business path. Part of our we were getting so frustrated with trying to find the money to build this thing, yeah. and we had all the ideas and we had all the talent. So we're like, let's uh, let's start building a brand ahead of time. This way, we either get out there in the world before we open, or worst case. If our financing falls through, every the better our reputation gets, yeah. and if we can actually show some sales, even if we actually never made any money, yeah. that'll just make it easier to get finance down the road. So, sure. so uh, like I said before, one of our partners is Tommy from uh, Lost Abbey, and he had a friend. Just, just to clarify, yeah. you said so he was the founder of Lost Abbey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a big deal. Like, yeah, yeah. Like no, for in the beer, beer people, world, yeah, he's, yeah, he's. It's 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 a big deal. He's yeah. He's amazing. That's a great mentor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He almost <laughs> couldn't be better. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So, and then this is one of these great reasons why. Because if we were in the same position and we didn't have Tommy, we wouldn't have the contacts that he had. There's a guy who just opened uh, a brewer in, in Carlsbad at that time called Ruler Brewing. And he had basically the ten, same 10-barrel 10 premier system that we were going to buy. Okay. And he's like, well, why don't we just uh, start brewing beer on his system and try and sell it in Arizona? And so we did the math on it, and we're like, all right, we've got to use a distributor. We've got to do this. All right, we're going to make zero money. In fact, we're probably going to lose some money. But yeah. it's worth it. Sure. Let's try it. Let's go. Let's, so we started, started brewing some beer on that 10-barrel system uh, with me and Raleigh and Tommy. Uh, getting it going, and so the award winner came out of that system. So we won wow. an award at GABF before we were open, yeah. and so that that helped, right? Yeah. That, that helped in a million ways, and you know that might have. No, we got we got our money the same week, so I don't think they knew about that, but it didn't hurt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you want to? Do you need to see this? That was, no, I'm yeah. good. No, you need to see yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> that was a big week for us. I think that was last. That was October 2019. Yeah, like we had no money, but we were at GABF, and we, they, the bank calls out, "Okay, you guys are funded. Awesome. We'll start construction. The next calls the contractor to go to work, and then yeah. we got this award at GABF. And we're like, hey, nothing can stop us now. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing can stop us. Nothing. Yeah, right. So yeah. So if, if, if I cursed the whole world by saying that in October, I apologize. Damn it, and I knew it. Well, you know, it was because it was interesting to see you guys come on the scene because it was it was uh, an orthodox way to do it, yeah. and and in a way, it kind of was like, wait, wait, wait. It's what's going on over there? Right. These guys have tight branding and they have beer already and they're winning awards. What's going on? They either they have their shit together or something shady. You know? Yeah. Well, we were just. I think we were just really impatient and, and a little bit of luck. Yeah. You know, yeah, you know, and the award we won was, was sort of strategic, uh, you know, because we won for malt liquor, yeah. which is basically an American lager, and that's not an easy beer to make. Sure, but yeah. it's also a category that nobody enters. Yeah, so you're like, if you can make a good one, you got a really good shot um, yeah. at winning, and it, and we did. Yeah, so it was it was cool, and we also got yeah. lucky because they changed that category this year or 2020, I should say. Um, I think malt liquor got thrown in the experimental beer category or something. Really? Something like that. It had like yeah. it had like 20 different beer styles in it. Uh, so it would be tougher to stand out. So yeah. at the time we did it, it was just two styles. It was India Pale Lager slash malt liquor. So. Yeah. And uh, we, we got the silver, but uh, gold went to India Pale Lager. Bronze went to India Pale Lager. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe I mean, I don't know how many other malt liquors there were in that uh, category, but. Didn't matter. We, we, yeah, it. we took it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. You guys still make that? Uh, yeah, still, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not on right now, but we just kicked it like two weeks ago. Okay. Yeah, it's it's still. I mean, it's 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 really good. I uh, Peter Burkhardt from uh, New Belgium was in here the other day, and he's like, "So, well, you know, what beer are you proud of?" I'm like, "Drink the malt liquor." He's yeah. like, "Really? Like, yeah, yeah. Try it." So he drinks. He goes, "Oh yeah, very good." And then we went to dinner afterwards at another restaurant. And it was on the menu, and he they were out of it. And it was still on the menu. He tried to order it again. Yeah. I was like, All right. He wasn't bullshitting. Yeah. Me. He's trying to order dude. right now. He's got a bunch of other yeah. tabs. So that, yeah. Yeah. And I think it surprised him because no one's going to make that style, and you know. And the expectations are yeah. low when you say malt liquor. You're like, well, that can't be good. Is that Mickey's? Is that? Right. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Be terrible. And then when it drinks nice, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. So it's, you get that, that sort of one-two punch where you set the expectations low, and then you come in with a quality yeah. beer. It's like it's, it's better than if you – like an IPA, right? You, know, you expect an IPA to be good. So, so yeah. it has to be really good to stand out. Sure. Right? Yeah. But if you're like, yeah. malt liquor, this is going to be awful. So if it's, if it's even pretty good, you're like, dang. Right? <laughs> nice job. Yeah. yeah. Well, dude, it's impressive, too, to, like, for it to be on tap at a place and you know for him yeah. to see it but for for it to be on tap means that the place is like dude that we want that they don't just take it out of sympathy or whatever no about. yeah the executive chef <laughs> yeah. over there he, i know i know the story that how it got there because i sold it to him he's like oh i want this beer i'm like man i gotta tell you gary i'm not sure this is really gonna sell for you guys he goes i don't care i'll drink it myself <laughs> bring it over i'm like all right cool so oh dude and it was sold out that's yeah, another yeah, sign too yeah. so so where did uh, so you guys started with uh it was tommy you said right uh, uh at the uh, 
Lost Abbey. Yeah, yeah. You, you guys were so you started brewing at Ruler. Yeah, and kind of doing it that way. Yeah, and, and then how did it transition from there to here? Well, finally, when we got the place built, um, and we had uh, the awards or the award, I should say, um, that helped us hire our brewer here. So we okay. were in kind of the hiring process for a long time, and we just we just didn't couldn't find anyone that was a good fit. And then when we got the GABF award, the resumes just poured in, and we just uh. got a much better pool or bigger pool i should say to choose from from around the country like where their brewers yep. were yeah. yeah yeah joel joel who's our brewer now he uh he came from georgetown in seattle oh wow okay yeah so, so and he's a big it. lager guy so you know he saw the malt liquor award he's like oh this is right up my alley yeah so you had a bunch of people like saying we want to be here yeah and we're okay. i mean yeah de- i mean i don't know what a bunch is but definitely lots more than we did before the uh, yeah the uh metal and why and why did you choose joel um you know that was that was uh, a little bit of a Tommy question, just because. Sure. He, uh, Tommy gave him like this, you know, highly technical brewing exam. Yeah. Right. You know. <laughs> I, if you could see the look in your eyes, yeah. I wish the GoPro had Zoom right there. You were like, Dude, "This is it was intense." Yeah. I'm yeah. Like, I was like, "Jeez." <laughs> yeah. So I mean, to me, I'm like, "Yeah, you know, he comes from a reputable brewery. He knows what he's doing, and you know, and we probably would have hired him anyway, just from his his uh, his resume and yeah. his skill set. But you know." Tommy could take it to the next level and figure yeah. out, you know, who he really was. Um, yeah. And he's also got so many contacts in the industry. I, I won't swear that he did this, but he could have possibly circled around to some of those people and said, like, hey, is this guy any good? Yeah. And, you know, they say, yeah, sure. So. Yeah. That's a good person to have making that, helping you make that decision. Oh, like I said, right? I, we, we're, we are so much better because of our, our relationship with yeah. uh, Tommy. It's like a wife, right? Like, why, like, it's like, dude, that looks awesome. She's like, that's not Don't awesome. Do <laughs> that's awesome. Like, and then that, the, 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 10 minutes later, you're like, Ah, uh, nice. that could have been me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I told you. I told you. Yeah. Yeah. So we all kind of stand on the shoulders of giants. Back to your teamwork yeah, thing. Sure. Um, so yeah, it's 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 cool, but it requires everybody. I mean, yeah. I think our sort of culture is sort of obsessed with single celebrities and celebrity chefs and celebrity this. But yeah, I promise you, the celebrity chef's not going to be any good if his his sous chefs aren't doing their job or whatever yeah. or the prep cooks or whatever you know what yeah. I mean? you know or the restaurateur who invested in all the right equipment for that place to begin with so it takes it takes a whole team to yeah. pull this off and it's kind of like a, you know an aircraft carrier like the captain he's the captain but at the same time dude one guy down in the bowels of the ship just goes oh yeah i'm turning this off boy yeah. you guys are dead <laughs> in the water so you know it really requires yeah. everybody to be at their best and trying yeah. their hardest and and everyone has, still has to get along too so yeah. you just gotta like sometimes know which which fights are important and which ones you're like, all right, that, that's not, that's not important. Yeah. Yeah. And I like how so, you say which fights, cause there will be fights. Yeah. Right? yeah it's, sure. Cause it's not like, Oh, we'll just avoid the fights. Nah, yeah. Yeah. And some matter. Gonna, yeah. You know, and some don't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you guys, you, uh, you get open, you're filling plastic jugs to <laughs> yeah, <laughs> making deliveries, yeah. but, um, quickly you guys got, cause there's no plan to can, uh, put your beers in cans there, at that point. Or was, I would say no plan. There was but, always a plan to okay. do it. Um, we, we initially wanted to start with a canning line, but, we ran out of money, um, so we didn't get it. So we're like, all right, we'll just go to mobile canning when the time is right. And then, you know, I mean, you know how last year was. There was a can shortage, yeah. and everybody was canning, so the mobile canners were super busy. It was just, it was just chaos. Yeah. Um, I saw you have locks on your toilet paper too. So we yeah. that was <laughs> it gets stolen. We actually had to have a conversation with our employees because the lock is a little combination lock. Yeah. So you can leave it on the combination, turn it so it looks like it's locked. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But somebody figured that out, turned the lock, opened it, and yanked out the Jeez. toilet paper. This is like a week ago. 
Oh, we like, come on, man. Dude, there's no shortage anymore. No, right? it's just, uh, people just take anything that's not nailed down. That's true. That's true. Uh, so anyway, so sorry. Yeah. So uh, where, 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 where are you going with that before I enter? Oh, yeah, the canning. So you, oh, you yeah. did have, so you're dealing with, uh, you're working with mobile mobile canning mobile companies. Yeah. And, yeah. They come out. They're, they're coming out about once a month now. And okay. We might, we'll see. We'll see if we max out those days. We might have to come a little more often. We'll okay. Because we're, yeah. you know, the world's opening up. You know, people are starting to come out. And I just don't know where the ceiling is because, you know, we went from three months ago, like, guys were almost out of money to, guys, now we're out of beer. Yeah. So, and that happened fast. Uh, and so, I, I, don't, I don't know where the ceiling is, the plateau is, and summer's coming. So, yeah. so we'll see. You know, yeah. you, you don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Like The great mystery. Like, it's like the great mystery, right? Like, yeah, we, had exactly. the, we had the great depression, then there was a the great <laughs> pandemic. Now it's a great mystery. Yeah. Like, what? Now what? Exactly. Now, everything, you, you don't want to go too conservative and leave money on the table, but yeah. you don't want to go too big too fast and then overspend, and then all of a sudden you're another cautionary tale in the brewing world. Sure. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, so you guys are canning. The cans are beautiful too, yeah. man. I, I love the the branding is 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 tight, man. Like it's it's very Thank clean. You. I think that uh, I, I'm the type of person that like when I design something myself, it's so confusing and overly like I have to explain shit. Right? My wife's right. like, that's way too complicated. Simplify <laughs> it. So when she sees when she saw your your guys' branch, she's like this is that place looks really cool. Oh, like nice. it's it's really it's. Uh, it's beautiful, man. You guys, you. you guys are doing a good job with with everything. Well, we tried to be thoughtful about it. I mean, and this is where hiring people matters, right? You know, we I, we had this idea. We wanted a classic sort of look, sure. right, to go with. Because yeah. we make a lot of classic beers. I don't know anyone else making Maybach right now, right? Yeah. But that goes yeah. with our thing. We have all these sort of vintage motorcycles and vintage cars and things. We just wanted wanted to create a sense of things that that last. Yeah. Right. And we've only been around a year, but I want I want this place to be a landmark. And so for the branding we wanted to emulate that. We didn't want it to be too cartoony, yeah. too busy, too crazy. You just wanted to just keep it clean and simple and classic and beautiful. Yeah. And maybe slightly European. Yeah. Yeah, so. I, I like that classic because that's almost it's like it, it's timeless at this point, yeah. right? Like it, it it puts that stamp and yeah, yeah. You know, you know that in ten years this will probably still look pretty good. Yeah, you hope. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. The great mystery. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so what is what is the what's the vision at this point? Like what's what's your guys' goal with Moda Sonoran? Well, we we never Moda Sonora. Sorry, yeah. do do people call it the Moda Sonoran a lot? Sometimes. Or is that just me? Uh, not just <laughs> you, but <laughs> okay. maybe 10%. Um, what is the vision, I, then? Uh, the vision is we're pretty close. I mean, we, we, didn't, we don't ever want to be a big brewery. Okay. Um, like, our, our craziest of dreams are 5,000 barrels a year. Okay. And we're probably pretty stoked at 2,000 barrels. Yeah. So, so the focus is on quality and customer experience rather yeah. than going as big as we can. Because, I mean, at a certain size, and this is selfish on some level, because at a certain size, any business... Because could be any business, hmm. so like the executives at yeah. Ford Motor Company, they're not down tinkering on cars. Sure. They're just moving piles of paper around. Yeah, and yeah. I, I assume that's the same for the executives at Molson Coors. Yeah, right. I mean, they're technically in the beer business, but they're probably so far removed from it that it kind of takes the fun out of it. I imagine. Yeah. And the same yeah. when I was a federal agent. Like, well, as soon as you get promoted, like you might as well turn in your gun because you're yeah. going to be riding a desk, uh, right? And the further up the chain you go, yeah, there's more money and there's more responsibility, but you're not doing the job you started doing. It's you're in management now. Sure. And that's just dealing with employees and dealing with. HR issues and payroll issues and all that other stuff. So, yeah. so the idea is to keep this intimate, both for our own sanity and our own lifestyle, um, and also for the customers. You know, I sure. think I think customers appreciate coming into a place where they see the owner drinking, or you know, I, I was bartending for a long time. Yeah. Now, now I'm too busy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, and I think that that that's good. That's I think that's just win win all around. Yeah, I mean, it means we'll never be kingpins. You know, uh, but I mean, I'm 47. I, I really don't have time to try and become a kingpin. <laughs> right, I, <you> know, right. <laughs> this is my last career reinvention, and I just want to, I just want to enjoy it. Yeah, well, I mean, that 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 goes a long way. I mean, especially I think with with a, what a lot of people have gone through, you know, through the 
through COVID and all this, of people been against the wall of like, all right, what do you really want? Like, what what is really yeah. important, right? You know, and and so, um, you know, you and I were talking before we were recording about the the interview I did with Andy from from Four Peaks. Yeah. And his whole thing was like, dude, after 25 years, I finally get to wake up in the middle of the night and write a brewer idea, you know, an idea oh, down for cool. a beer that I want to make, you know. And how crazy uh, is that? That was what gave him more freedom. Yeah, that by by getting bought out, actually actually improved his life in a way that gave him more freedom to run the business. He yeah, wanted. that's yeah. cool. I mean, it sounds that's that's counterintuitive. Sure. You know? yeah. yeah, that's cool. Um, and yeah, and and I, you know, I've asked him, and he's very clear. He's like, the biggest difference is that everything kind of basically runs the same. It's more structure, uh, but he's like safety and the brewer brew house is like. Like they've got that shit locked down. Well, that's good. Yeah, there are a lot of ways to die in a brewery. Yeah, exactly. You know? I'm like, that's a good example, right? So you know, I don't want to say I, I'm not going to say it, but AB and Bev is having some benefit, right? Yeah, man. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not a hater. It's yeah. It's not those aren't beer styles that I like, and big business yeah. is not something I can relate to. But man, I'm not going to hate on it. I mean, it's beer, man. Beer's great. Exactly. You know, I had some uh, actually two of my partners, Eric and Jeff. Last time we were in Denver, I don't remember why I didn't go with them. Uh, they t- took the Coors tour. So it's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's an incredible yeah. thing. I mean, I mean, it's beer. Too. I mean, I, yeah. I love beer. And yeah. I, I even love some big beer. Yeah. You know, so I, you I know, agree. I try not. I mean, again, there's that loss of intimacy and loss of creativity a lot with big business, I think. Um, but yeah, on a fundamental level, I'm not a hater in that way. I, yeah. Whatever, it's beer. Each place, <laughs> has, each thing has its its place, right? Yeah. Like that, everything does just because craft beer is, it's great now. And, you know, and it is great. I mean, yeah. so many things that, that, you know, breweries and the community give back. Um, but that doesn't mean that Miller Lite has to be that, right? right? You know, they yeah, don't have yeah, to, sure. you know, they, because I think it's impressive when I, anytime you talk to a brewery owner or a brewer, eight out of 10 times, they're like, dude, that's incredible that you can have a, you know, Miller Lite in Seattle and a Miller Lite in Key West and it tastes exactly the same. Yeah, I mean, from a yeah. manufacturing standpoint, yeah, that, that execution is a, side. That, that is a, that, yeah, that's really impressive. Yeah. Like that they yeah. can make that much beer and make it that consistent and sell it all over and it tastes the same. I mean, that, yeah. that really is impressive. Yeah. Because it's not easy to do. No, no. Particularly for beers that are that, you know, clean. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's nowhere to hide on those beers. Yeah. You know, so yeah. and you they go down. Your processes yeah. Down. <laughs> yeah. Well, so you were talking about experience and, and we'll, we'll kind of wrap this up with this is uh, you got this big space. But you got you also utilize it. Right. I mean, you have the food truck out front. Yep. You're talking about live music. What all what all do you guys do here? That's you, you, you pretty much got it. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have live music. Fridays That's and enough. Saturdays. Though. Music uh, and music. Yeah, we've food. got the food yeah. truck out front. Um, we are leasing. The property next door for office space, and we share it with the guy who has the Land Rovers. Okay. So theoretically, if we ever need more space, we can expand that way. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of the idea. I mean, we have plenty of room to grow in this space now. Yeah. But, you know, if it comes down to it, we can expand. But, yeah, so we've sort of created, like, a little destination brewery. I mean, we need some distribution, a decent amount of distribution to to, to basically pay for all this. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, we want... I, we want people, to, if they're going to drink a beer somewhere in Arizona, and they drink one of ours, say, hey, this is really good. And yeah. hopefully they say, well, you should go down to Tucson and check out the, the beer garden. Yeah. So that would be, be the hope. Yeah. Um, so, but, you know, we, yeah, we, I, we're not going to get in the restaurant business, at least not yeah. anytime soon. Like, Ten years from now, I don't know, maybe. Maybe when, yeah. <laughs> like when I have to make no decision about it or be involved with it. Or, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because I heard that, that, that makes things real complicated. Yeah, or we can yeah. find the right partner or whatever. But yeah. food truck works out fine for now, and uh, Carl's food's great, and, and, and people like it. Yeah. Um, I think the only downside is, you know, on Fridays and Saturday nights, it gets busy and there's a bit of a wait. But, you know, that's a good problem. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. If there's somebody if there's a, somebody waiting, that means that most likely that's pretty damn good, you know. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> yeah. we're pretty happy 
pretty much where we are. So we just had our big, like our first owners meeting after COVID hit, and we're like, all right, guys, we survived. We're not bankrupt. What do we do? Yeah. And basically, the, the, the takeaway was we're going to just keep doing what we're doing. We got to yeah. add a few more tanks. We we'll add a few more tanks. We got to buy a canning line. We'll do that. Yeah. But we're at this point, we're just kind of tinkering around the edges. I, I still have a bunch of projects around here. We haven't actually finished building out the tap room the way I want. Okay. Um, but no fundamental changes. We're just going to be just a cool, well, hopefully a cool, you know, uh, yeah. d- you know, little little tap room brewery um, that we're just going to keep making nicer and better at least for the next few years. Yeah. Right? And, and and going back to work and satisfaction of work. Obviously, this year has been horrible, but and I got no money. But at the same time, this <laughs> is still broken. the, best, still the yeah. best job I've ever had. Yeah. Like I have no regrets. I couldn't even imagine. Like even at the depths of it. Like last summer, it's August. No one's yeah. coming, and the world's still literally on fire. And uh, I was like, well, what else would I be doing right now? Like, no, this is where I'm, I'm where I should be. Yeah. So, so it's, uh, it's, been, it's been a good learning experience for me emotionally, too, just because I'm like, well, well, okay, smart guy. Yeah. If you could do it over, what would you do? I was like, yeah, probably nothing. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Let's, just, let's just go. Dude, that's a good way to live, man. Yeah, yeah. That is, yeah. Well, because, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. You're in the process 98% of the time, right? When if, yeah. you're, if your goal is to open up this brewery, right, opening day is one day. Right, the everything else that leads up to it, right, yep. and then your one anniversary, one year anniversary celebration. That's another year down the road. What about all that work in between, right? Right, and the shit that you hate to do, and you know, and spreadsheet. But yeah. but you got to enjoy that. You got to you know not enjoy yeah. it and be excited necessarily. You know, right. but I mean, there's certain parts of this you're never going to get thrilled. Yeah, for, but but yeah, I mean, it just it's all part of it's it. The whole thing, yeah, yeah. It's been it's actually been great. Yeah, um, yeah. Like I said, I'd, I'd like would have liked to maybe. Only work twelve hour days, you know. <laughs> but, uh, one day, but overall, day. but like I said, things are mellowing out now. We've got good staff, and my schedule's gotten a lot better. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm even happier. Hell yeah. So. Well, dude, nice work with this place, man. Right. Thanks, yeah. man. I really gotta, appreciate you it. You got to bring the family down. Our kids welcome. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Asshole kids. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I mean, just <laughs> I'm just kidding. My kids aren't assholes. Might, <laughs> might have some gangster rap on it or something. So depending how tough your kids are, but but dude. you know, you can throw them in the dog park and yeah, all right. That's funny. I was I so my my oldest daughter, um, she does jujitsu. Like she oh, just wow. yeah. So we've had her do like volleyball, basketball, and stuff. She's a little bit of a tomboy, very independent, very you know. She knows what she likes, you know, which I dig. I dig. I was like that, but I didn't have the confidence, you know. Right. So I'm like, hey, if you if you think that's cool, let's go check it out. And she loves jujitsu. Right so on. yesterday they were just. Uh, it was like before class started, and the music was just bumping because the dude. This is actually kind of cool. His name's Dan Madrid. Uh, he's fighting at Bellator uh, in May. Okay. So he's like a legit, you know, fighter. Yeah. And we saw him training as the kids were doing their class. And my wife was like, she's like, that guy's another level. I'm like, those <laughs> people are different, you know, different level humans. Yeah. I don't remember where I was going with this point with this. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I've got a contact for her. I got a, a girl I used to teach surfing with in San Diego. She became a pro, at least she got paid to be an yeah. MMA fighter. And you know, that's kind of weird. You know, yeah. there are too many females doing that. So, so if she if she gets decides to get serious, I'll reach out and see if, she, if she's still doing it. Yeah, I saw yeah. like her first pro fight at this casino in San Diego, and it was like she won, but it was gnarly. I'm like, yeah, dang, you girls are tough. They are. Like, they are. <laughs> and you know, she's she's a little bit cocky about stuff sometimes. Right. I'm like, you need to get choked out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, what, you get your bell rung once <laughs> yeah. or twice. That, that might come out of you a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh man. So, but no, I had a point with it. There was there was a there was a full circle to this, and it was what was it? It was about uh, oh. Music, right? Oh, so right. they're they're just kind of warming up, and you know, some of the adults are training over on like the heavy bags and stuff. And it's Eminem, and it's like blasting, and it's ev- all the parents know. They're, we're all in this age group of like we know this song, we've heard this right. hundreds and hundreds of times. We know the, where these lyrics are going, and it's going to be a hard, just 
all of the bad, the worst words you can think of are going right. to be in like a three second period. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I see the the owner of the gym run through the back <laughs> and like basically leap at the thing right before. And everyone's like, "Dude, that was because we all right. knew where it was going." And the kids are like, "What's going on?" Or like, I think that's happened once or twice here. Like, if it's yeah. in the background, people don't notice. But like, I think the Ghetto Boys, damn it, yeah. be a gangster, came on once here. And my wife Karen, there was like hardly anybody here, and a bunch of little kids, and she just like slowly reaches over to the stereo and advances it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, next right before song. he starts talking about the whole world swinging by his nuts or something, yeah. you know, it's like, all right, clink. next song. Then it goes into like Keith Sweat, like shit. Right. That's even right. worse. No right, worse. Right, next, next, keep going. Yeah. Uh, shit. Well, Jeremy, thanks for having me down, man. This but is great place, man. Hundred percent, my pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for yeah. coming. Come back anytime, dude. Tell uh, tell your brother too. Thanks for the whoever got the batteries for okay. this recorder. I appreciate that. <laughs> no so. problem, man. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. <laughs>